Why are you following us? Who are you? What are you doing? I do. What's happening to us? What makes you think I know anything? You warned us. At the memorial service, you said death didn't like to be cheated. It's just that I've seen this before. You changed things on that bridge. It's a wrinkle in reality. And that wrinkle is you. Are you saying that we can't stop this? You're not supposed to be here. You shorted death. So you let death have somebody else in your place, and then you take their spot in the realm of the living, all the days and years that they've yet to live. And they take your place in death. Then the books are balanced. People are always saying about the talk, and I talk, and I talk, and I talk, but guess who can walk? I back it up! I back it up! That means it's time to roll, baby. You got nothing going on between your ears, buddy. Hey, John, do you think I'm just gonna sit there and let you kill me, John? I mean, really. I think I could beat every girl in my division with one hand. That guy is such a dick. I mean, you show your true colors after a fight, and that fucking guy comes up to me. You know who you are, huh? I don't have much left to say other than you have seen nothing yet. <laughs> Hope to God you come ready. I'm Michael Morgan, and welcome to this week's episode of The Wokecast. Joining me as ever, my sister from another mister, it's G from Woke TV. What up? What's going on? You know what? I'm sitting here, feet up because we've just had another well we've just had our first hiatus as it were last night no fights but you know something i think it's uh, high time that we maybe had a guest or two and joining us this week it's a pleasure i have to say to welcome to this week's wokecast g macy chasson yes what up thank you guys so much for having me i appreciate it you know, I, I think this needs more of a drum roll because, Macy, you're the winner of the Ultimate Fighter 28, which was the women's featherweight tournament. You're currently 7-1 and one, and you're competing in the bantamweight division of the UFC. You're number 12 in the rankings and um, I think that's more of an introduction which kind of like speaks to your grandiosity. How about that? Like this, Mike. Mike rolled out the red carpet. I like it. <laughs> Grandiosity. But if, if we could just jump straight into it then, because I'm kind of really, really um, excited about this because there's just so much to talk about away from fighting. Because you are, um, well, you, you, you've now, in my eyes, got seven lives left because if um well if, if my background checking is anything to be believed you've actually lost two of your lives you were shot in the stomach in uh, one of your lives and in another life you had an entire building fall down on top of you so hold on just let me just rewind ever so slightly you know i'm a big fan of 50 cent he uh, as you know survived the <laughs> shooting i want to hear all about i want to hear all about how you managed to survive being shot in the stomach that is like something that a lot of people like really don't know unless like they really start digging yeah like google and they're like they type in my name and then you're scrolling you see like oh macy played sports in high school macy ufc and then you hit like macy was shot <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, it, no i mean it was kind of like one of those i'm i'm really one of those people that you can say is like lucky in a sense like i'm always like and i don't know if i would say this is lucky but i'm always in like the wrong like the wrong place you know, at the wrong time. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of just been like how my life has been. It's, it's just like a series of unfortunate events, like final destination type shit. Uh, but no, I mean, I was, I think it might've been, I think I was about 17. I was hanging out with some friends outside, um, of their house. Like we were in a pretty like, you know, nice neighborhood, like upscale, I guess you would say. And uh, I was outside with a few other girls and we were just talking and all of a sudden, like, we heard a bunch of, like, pops go off. And um, one of my friends, she's just, like, kind of, like, over her head, she was like, oh, it's fireworks, you know? And then we, like, look over and we see someone, like, about 100 yards away or so. Um, I mean, my math might be might be off, but they were pretty far away to where I could just see a figure. Yeah. And there was someone standing there and you could see the end of, like, 
the end of this like whatever figure they had in their hands like just lighting up like as that sound was producing like pop 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 and we're like oh my god like i think someone's shooting at us uh and so like in the midst of that like we're running we don't know where to go we're kind of like in this open area so like we go to hide behind a car and as soon as as soon as we get behind a car my friend looks at me and she's like macy you're bleeding oh, and wow. i look down and i like had like a giant hole in my shirt and i was like oh my god like you know like it's just one of those things where you're just in so much shock and like you cannot believe like what's going right. on you know you don't process anything until you know, you're in an ambulance or like you're in the hospital, but, uh, you know, come to find out it was a kid that was involved in like a gang related situation. So you um, weren't actually in a gang six, then? Yeah. So he was, he was a part of a gang, I guess. And he was with two other guys and they told him to, uh, to get out of the car cause they had seen us. So they like, they passed by, took a U-turn, came back and he said, I want you to get out of the car and unload this clip on this group of people. Oh my god! Yeah, and you awesome. know, like it, it's the the situation, like being in the courtroom with mm-hmm. this kid. This kid is sixteen years old. You know, he's yeah. like one of like ten kids, and I just I can't imagine like you know being so distant from a family that you're you're yearning to find something right. to be a part of. You know, and so I almost felt like remorse for this person. Mm-hmm. You know, because like this is a sixteen year old kid that's going to be in jail for. I think he was sentenced like twice for attempted murder. It was like a hundred years or something like that. Oh my god, hundred years! Yeah. No, and it was just like it was re- honestly like it was really hard on me in that way. Right. You oh know. My god. So that so, was more traumatic than the actual <laughs> shooting. Is that it, it was? Yeah. You know. I mean, I had a little bit of PTSD after because I was like, right. okay, like, is someone trying to like kill me? Like, what else is going to happen to me? You know. Um. But I was able to get through that pretty well. And that's kind of when I started, like, getting into, like, martial arts and, like, finding something else to, like, channel, like, my fear into. Yeah. What about the pain level when, I mean, you said you didn't, obviously you could tell that, like, you didn't feel it at first. But when does the pain kick in? And did that toughen you up for your MMA career? Like, has anything else been that painful? So, you know, it's really strange. Like, just because of the adrenaline adrenaline and the shock, I didn't feel anything until the next day. Oh, kind wow. of when, like, everything started to fade off. Yeah. Um, that's when I really started to have having a lot of pain was, like, the few days, few days after. But initially, your body is, like, so capable of, like, handling situations like that. Um, you know, just adrenaline and all these like hormones that are going through your body. Like it's, it's crazy. The effects that your body can have on you when something like that occurs. Right. Like what your body can handle under such stress. Right. Go ahead, Mike. I I was about to say, I'm kind of, kind of intrigued about the circumstance. I was in my head filling in the blanks when you were speaking there about how the um, activity actually unfolded. So you weren't actually involved in gang activity. Was this like an initiation for this chap? I mean, how, how does how did you get connected with these bullets? That, that's what I'm trying to get my head around. Was it just a so, random drive-by shooting? Yeah, there, were, there was no connection whatsoever. Ah. Like, I was with, like, we were, I was hanging out with friends outside of, like, their house. Like, we're, like, 17 years old girls, you know, hanging out. Mm-hmm. And, uh... And these people had just, like, decided that we were the group of people they were going to prey on. Right. Um, and, you know, apparently, um, from what my lawyer was telling me, they had done something prior to that as well. Like, there was two guys walking down the street, and they also, like, pulled out a gun. Like, it was, like, a drive-by, and they shot them. Yeah. Um, they didn't find these. They didn't happen to find these guys until uh, one time they ran a red light and the police went to pull them over and they ended up like throwing like a gun out of the car and they were able to connect like the casings that they had found with like with the gun. Right. So, uh, no, we I mean, we had no idea who these people were, you know, and I think that's what was so scary about it was that. I think that's why it was like affected me so much was that like, I mean, how could someone not know? somebody and do something like that i mean just in general how could somebody do something like that but we just didn't know like why something like that happened and when it happened i honestly thought like oh my god like maybe one of these people at this party hates us you know because like you wouldn't think of something being so random right so oh my god that sounds so terrifying though yeah 
I'm, I'm curious, oh, though. Um, in the UK, I don't know what they call it in the States, but there's almost a reconciliation where the victim actually meets the perpetrator. Was there kind of that sort of um, arbitration or kind of like reconciliation um, between you two? Oh, you mean so, like an impact statement, right, Mike? Like, oh, oh, is that you know? what you call it over there? Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, no. I, I know you know more about that than I do. No, I was just um, over here, Mike. I think what you're saying that happens in the UK is like an impact statement. Is that where the victim can like speak to the to the suspect or the you know the person that had harmed them? And in the states, you can do that in the court, and it's an impact statement. So, yeah. Were you able to do that? Like, so give a statement? I only had to go to um, the. I had to go give my statement. Uh, of what happened and I didn't go back again after that because I was like just not in a good place Uh, it was like actually really hard to see this person Um, but no like while we were giving our statements they had him sitting right there in the courtroom with us Um, and uh, you know what maybe so I don't know it was that was 12 years ago almost 12 years ago so I'm trying yeah I'm trying to I'm trying to think maybe they did they did ask me is there anything you would like to say but yeah, because um, usually in that I, sort of circumstance, the the perpetrator gets to apologize. So I thought maybe he, he might have been remorseful in some way, shape or form. He was quiet. He didn't say anything. Wow. Um, I don't, I'm not really sure to the extent of what was going on with like their side. Um, but I went there and, and, had, and did my statement and he was present in the courtroom. But we didn't, he didn't say anything. I think he just was represented by a lawyer. I'm not sure if it was because of his age. But I don't remember him getting on the stand. I don't remember us like really making a statement like to him about any of that. Okay, so fast forward a few years, unless I'm missing out other lives that you've lost um, in the run up to a building literally falling on top of you. Been in a serious car accident. Wow. Where I fractured my L5. You are seriously living in Final Destination, aren't you? Yeah, is, this is a reoccurring thing in my life. <laughs> you were not lying. I got to say a little mini prayer before I walk out my front door. <laughs> <laughs> I know you have to like text your mom so much and just yeah. be like, I'm home. Yeah. I'm, you know, checking it. Well, she does that for me. She's texting me like every five minutes. How you doing? so the the building Go actually ahead. falling down on you I, I remember the last time i i, I actually i think it, uh, the last interview I, I saw you were either living with your mum and dad and you were looking to get um back on your feet but you hadn't heard in terms of compensation what was actually going to be happening because literally you, you you could have lost your life in that scenario what what's happened since then yeah, I mean, that was another, like, crazy situation, um, really scary thing, because, like, the the crane, like, if it wasn't for the parking garage in my uh, apartment complex, that crane would have went all the way through, like, into my apartment. Like, wow. the, the apartment above me was collapsed in. Um, so it kind of, like, was just, like, this sheer thing of, like, like it just st- ha- happened to stop from collapsing right above my apartment, but... Yeah, I mean, I basically just had my dog and we kind of like got out of there and uh, I had to go back home for a while and get new identification and birth certificate and social security card, which is like, you know what, like looking back, like whatever, like that's that's nothing compared to like my life. And, you know, like you can't you can replace items, but you can't replace yourself. Right. So it's, it's just kind of one of those things that I've just. You know, and, and I, I almost appreciate, like, a lot of these things that I've been through because it's, it's helped me to really appreciate life and appreciate the things that I have and, like, the things that are coming for me or the people I'm around, you know. It's really made me look at life differently. Well, and, not only uh, that, I think it's... Ad- even added- though, like, I would love to not have gone through a lot of this shit, like, it's... I think anyone can say that. A lot of the hardships are, you know, they are who they are because of that, so... I think it's also added to your strong mental fortitude because having watched all yeah. of your fights, that's one feature that's kind of like a real prominent part of the way in which you fight. You are, you are very, very mentally sound. You're always kind of like on point mentally. That's yeah, that's so true. That's so true. Like kind of looking back at everything and 
you know, my, my mentality going into the tough house or, or walking into the cage is kind of like, I'm going to show you like yeah. what I'm truly capable of, you know? So just, just, just one final one for me uh, for now before like uh, I, I let at least uh, G get one question in. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm hot. Like I said, there's so much to ask like you. There is so much to ask you away from the fight. And that's what I said. And one of the things which I was really curious about, which I don't really um, get a sense of detail. What was it that possessed you to say, you know what, let me just get out of this building because could you see the crane or how did you know that there was a crane actually bearing down on the building? So I had no idea what the hell was going on until I ran out. Oh. Um, so they were, do- so my backyard was kind of a construction site of where there were, the apartment complex was building a new structure and the crane was located right behind me, but just like maybe 60 feet to the left of where I was. And so it was actually a really nice day. And then all of a sudden it got like really dark outside and I was just in my laundry room doing like, you know, some laundry. I was actually like changing too mm. when this shit happened. And then all of a sudden I could hear like what sounded like construction was going on. And I was like, there's no effing way that these people are doing construction on a Sunday. And as soon as I had that thought, as soon as that thought crossed my mind, like the whole building started to shake and a loud noise, like almost like what Ooh. it sounds like when you're in an elevator and it's dropping from floor to floor. That's that is literally the sound that I heard. It was the scariest shit that I've ever heard in my life. Like it was just like, boom, 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 boom. Oh, and no. then it stopped. Yeah. And there was some debris that was coming through underneath my, uh, my back door. And I looked at my dog. I was like, T, I have a Belgian Malinois. And I was like, T. She just, like, looks at me like, what? I was like, we got to get the fuck out of here right now. <laughs> and so, like, I slipped on a pair of shoes. Like, I didn't have anything else with me. It was literally just me and my dog. Like, I didn't have my wallet. I didn't decide that I was going to grab all my shit, you know? You, you can't do – you just have to react in times like that, you know? And so I opened my door, and there was a girl walking by right by an exit that's close to my door. And she's like, oh, my God, like, I – literally almost just fucking died like she had just walked in right when the parking lot parking lot parking garage collapsed a little bit Mm. and she's like we can't go this way i was like all right so i was like running with her i was like okay let's go this way we had to go around another exit and so we walk out the door and as soon as i walk out i'm like holy fucking shit like giant crane all the way through like went through three stories of apartments. It's five stories high. And then it's seven plus the gr- with the garage. And so we look up and there's like, there's like one lady who's like in her window, like full of blood all over her face. And she's like, she literally looked at us and she was like, help me. Oh, and, uh, and when I looked like beyond her past her, her whole apartment was gone. Wow. There was nothing, there was nothing behind her. And so I had to pick up my dog because everyone who was running outside started walking in like giant shards of glass. Like I had a huge, like, like four inch piece of glass in my heel. Ooh. And, uh, so I had to pick up my dog. We were like, everyone's running through glass. They had people who had like debris that, that like fell on them. Um, I mean, it was like, it was horrific. It was it was like one of those scenes like I guess if you were running out of a collapsing building, yeah, you know, you walk outside like. and there's like debris that's falling and you just look around. It was like almost like a movie scene, like like, oh my god, like this this is this is horrifying. This now, is horrific. With all these incidents that have happened to you, right? Which one was the worst? By far the one that maybe gave you the most PTSD. Which one affected you the most, you think? The car accident, the house, the shooting? I don't know. I mean, they kind of are, they're all the same as a, in a sense that they're all like horrible, but I mean, it, it was just, it's just because you don't see it coming. I think yeah. that's why it's kind of hard yeah. to like pick and choose. Like you, you don't know when this is coming, you know, you don't, I think maybe the, the one that I was really worried about the most was my car accident because I had hit someone going 60 miles an hour. They were stopped in the middle of a dark highway Right. And I hit them going 60 miles an hour and I thought I was paralyzed. Oh, my God. I think that was probably like one of the scariest moments for me. Um, but 
I mean, it's also scary, you know, seeing other people injured and not being able to help them, you know, I mean, that affects you too, you know, you don't realize like how precious other people's lives are and I can relate to that. They're going through, you know. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm like, I didn't expect this with the interview. I know you had been through some shit, but I'm just really like, oh man, God bless. And I'm just so happy you made it through all of this. And it just kind of makes sense why you're so calm, cool, and composed in the cage after you've been through all these incidents. I'm sure fighting ain't shit because you've, you've been through so much, you know? You know what? I have to remind myself that because we're all human. You know, we're, we're all... Right, right. We all had this little thing where we're like, I don't know if I'm enough. I don't know if I'm enough. But then you have to remind yeah. yourself, like, look, you've been through this shit, you know? And that's... And I can't... Exactly. You know, I can sit here and talk about, like, my... You know, the things that happened to me, but people go through similar Worse. shit. You know, or even worse. worse yeah. Or worse, yeah. you know? And I'm like, look, I, I am fortunate in a way that I have, like people that love me and I can, you know, I can still manage to get through life, even though this shit has happened to me, right. you know, and some people aren't that fortunate. And I just have to remind myself, like, look, you have been through some stuff, you know, you can do anything, but you also have to realize that you aren't superwoman, you know, yeah. like you are still human. Right. It's good to have that balance too. And probably, especially in your profession, I'm sure sometimes you need to be humbled in the gym. I'm sure sometimes you have to make mistakes. And, and remind yourself you're not superwoman. Yeah, I get it. Being overconfident can also be your biggest downfall. But at the same time, I'm sure you're balancing confidence because I feel like every fighter feels like they're the best fighter in the world, right? Like, don't you guys just have this, like, I'm the best type of attitude to even do this? I know there's some people that that is more predominant in them. Mm-hmm. But for me, I've always had to have a coach be like, you don't fucking realize, like, how good you are. You know, and it's not until I make that decision for myself before I walk in there and there and I'm like, you, you literally have been through all this shit. You, you literally go through hell and back to fucking perform the best in this cage. You know, no one has been through what you've been through in training and in life. You know, sometimes you got to remind yourself. And I feel like I'm one of those people that has to remind themselves. Yeah. You know, because I am like when it comes first comes the first, like I am always I've always been humble just because I don't know what the other side is like, you know? Yeah. And I'm sure those experiences have humbled you as well. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Mike, you got anything left or? Yeah, I I was, again, we're going to get to the fighting quick, fast, in a hurry. But as I say, um, there there are a few things which kind of like piqued my interest. And I just wondered, recently, Dana White was uh, questioned about the whole Black Lives Matter and um, he gave a, a really fudged answer. And it just reminded me of kind of the fudged answer he gave to um, gay rights. He's got a champion there who, you know, in Amanda Nunes, who they're not marketing mm-hmm. in a way which I feel would champion gay rights. But not only that, um, obviously bring in a new audience. Now, am I like over-egging this in thinking that it's Dana's role to, you know, promote not only, you know, um, the Black Lives Matter aspect, considering how many athletes um, that would actually affect, but also, you know, basically gay rights, considering that, Mm -hmm. you know, he does have a champion who is, you know, um, well, someone someone who is looked on as as a champion, not just in a UFC sense, but um, for gay rights as well. Right. Um, yeah, I don't, I mean, I agree. I'm not, you know, and I've met Dana several times. I've talked to him, you know, he actually helped me a lot through my whole apartment situation. Mm. He, I mean, he like called me on the phone and he's like, is there anything that you need? Like you tell me what you need and what I could do for you and I'll do it, you know? And I, I do believe that he has, you know, his athlete's best interest. Um, and now I don't know to what extent he can have them though, you know? So I don't know if he feels like he's limited in a way because he has to try to save the wholeness of the sport. I I don't know if he's trying to open it up to new areas, but I agree. I mean, I don't know why he didn't promote Black Lives Matter as, as, I mean, he's got so many athletes that, I mean, deserve to have that, you know? Yeah. And I don't know why they didn't do the whole gay pride thing. I know the only reason they did the uh, 
the uh, gay pride um, outfits for this mm. last fight mm. was because uh, Tisha Torres and Raquel Pennington asked yes. for it. Yes, and that that was it. He needed a kick up the ass to actually do that. But I, I, it, that's why I asked you the question because it just makes me feel surely it, it should be something which he shouldn't be nudged about considering, you know, in his face on a daily basis are these right. issues. Right. I, I, you know, that was like one of the first things I was asking and I was talking to my girlfriend. I'm like, I'm like, Hannah, like, why, why didn't he do anything with Black Lives Matter? I mean, this is like, this is a serious issue that's going on right now with the country and, you know, and life, everyday life. And he's got so many athletes that are just wondering like, well, you know, is he, is the UFC really here for us? I think a lot of it has to do though with demographics. I don't think um, the core fan base of the UFC is somebody that supports Black Lives Matter. I don't think he has to cater to the LGBT community and Black Lives Matter because I don't think those are the, most of the people watching this sport. We're marginalized in, in, in this sport being, you know, members of that community. So I think that's why he's not pushing it because in his world there isn't a need for it. But if it if it made him a lot of money, I guarantee you he'd do it. If the demographics are different, you know? So I think it's a I definitely think it's a money thing. And I, I agree with you. Well I well you know that I mean that's that's hundred percent correct because he's gonna try to do what's best for the company. You know, that's his job. So yeah, and if yeah. he's gonna say something in regards to Black Lives lives matter that's gonna like offend people and they're gonna get lower rating yep and i think that's what would happen because i think more people don't support black lives matter as far as when it comes to the fan base and and that group i mean he he brought president trump to the to you know to the fights what he bring him to usc 244 which one was it mike do you remember i, I don't he, I, to be honest with you i raised that from my memory ufc is a bit you know leans to the right so i wouldn't be too surprised I would agree with that. I really, I really do. And I think that, you know, just because of some stuff and I don't know, like I can't, it, it's, it's almost hard to try to defend certain sides in a way because like I have seen like good sides of him, but then I go and see the bigger picture and it just doesn't yeah. look right, you know? And it's, it, it's really tough, you know, because I really do like Dana White a lot. I, I, I like him a lot. I think he's a nice guy, but you know, when it comes down to the bigger picture and it comes down to money and, you know, people are so scared of change. And the thing oh, is, yeah. is that if they are just scared of something like this happening, then obviously what has been happening over the last few hundred years has been fucking wrong. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and yeah. you think you think with this kind of upper hand and having an organization organization like this where you could have individ individualization, you could have one person representing so many different things. You think they would want to jump on that? That's that's what I usually think. But then again, I always think about the demographics and the fans and who spends the mon money on the UFC. And you have to cater to those people. And I think that's what's going on. But my question to you, though, is that, you know, me and you talked about this briefly in the DMs. And I've always wanted to interview or just talk to a fighter that, of course, was a woman. And that a woman fighter that d did not present herself with traditional femininity. And I say this with the utmost respect, but... You are masculine presenting. And like I said, I say that with the utmost respect because I am also that way as well. And I've always wanted to sit down and pick a fighter's brain because you're not the typical, you know, female most people want to see fight. You know, you've got, you're covered in tattoos, you have a fade and whatnot. Is the UFC like, is it, is it, is it like a gay organization where there's so many gay girls like you don't even notice or it's not a big deal? Or, or are you like me when you walk in a room, people just are like, whoa, the gay girl's here. Like, do you have, are there nuances and facets like that? That's like always happened to me. Like yeah. throughout my whole life, like it's always like, oh shit. Like, I mean, yeah, I remember yeah. my first amateur fight, like as soon as I walked out and I took my shirt off, they're like, holy shit. They're like, yeah. oh my God, look at this shit. Look at this. What? Like, you know, right. that, that's just kind of like been how, you know, that's how it's been for me my whole life. But, but, um, yeah, I mean, uh, is the UFC full of like gay people that make you feel comfortable or what's it like being a, like a gay fighter? I mean, I just, I don't know. A lot of the girls that I've fought like coming up were, I would say, I guess more on the masculine scale. And, like, I like the way you kind of, like, describe femininity and masculinity because, like, you know, like, when I when I hear those words these days, I just feel like it's it's so, like, overrated to say that shit because it's, like, 
who are you to say that I'm feminine or who are you to, exactly. who are you to say that I'm this or that, you know? Um, but I don't know. A lot of the girls that I fought coming up were kind of boyish, I guess, in a sense. Um, even like Penny, like Penny is like, I guess like would be more appropriate for the, for the typical man's eye, you know, but she is like so much, her and I are so much alike. It's insane. You know, when it comes right. to like personality or like just doing like, like boyish shit, like it's, it's, um, I just think that people tend because of the way social media is people only tend to see what they only show what they want you to see. Yeah. You know? And I think more of us are alike in a way that no one really gets because like, I don't do like, you know, I don't take all these like fucking like racy photos. Like, I mean, I guess I could, I was like sitting down one day. I was like, well, maybe I should like, maybe people would like that, but you know what? Like, fuck, like I'm just not, I'm just not like that. You know, like if I decide that I want to put a picture of me in like a sports bra, and, like a thong or some shit, I'll do it. But like, it's just like, I don't know. Like we, we're all very similar, like right. us women, like fighters in a way. And it's not like a bit, this big room of gay people. I mean, we're all our individual selves, right? you know, but I feel like, women tend to do like they try to cater to a certain crowd because they want more noticeability or they want more followers or this and that because they have to be a certain way, you know? And I don't think that that's really what it's like. It's not real. Oh, so do you find that that type of fighter is more successful than you? Do you find that they're maybe more marketable than you? Oh yeah. A hundred percent. But I think that it's just like, I feel like we all could be marketable in a way. It's just, you know, I just feel like there's just like this funnel of people that you have to be one way to be marketable. Which kind of yeah. neatly segues into a question which I had. You've paused the uh, Instagram careers of Paige Van Zandt and Valerie <laughs> Larida because of things yeah. which you've said. Let's just oh, dial no, it back. I'll, you know what? That mm. will be forever in, the tw- in Twitter. That'll never go away. <laughs> Let's just dial it back. What was it? What was the trigger for you that made you say, you know what, ladies, enough is enough? What was the one thing that you saw that made you think, what are you guys doing? You know, it was just an accumulation over time of just shit that I've been seeing. And I have, like, posted something a while back and not one person had a fucking comment it was insane like not one person said one thing and then i had this all of a sudden i just like saw valerie Loretta's post and i was like you know what like it wasn't like an attack to her because i don't know her it's not someone that i see all the time i just had saw it and i was like this is this is fucking horrible and it's a the most horrific like representation of a female fighter that you could ever post you know, and so it kind of just pissed me off. And it's like, you know what? There's actually people out there that are working their fucking asses off to get a number next to their name, to get into the UFC for even women that are beyond gorgeous that are trying to get people to actually like take them seriously, you know? Um, and then you go and post like some shit like this. You're in your gym you know, which is like already a no, no, like your coach should never let you post some shit like that in their gym, you know, and then you're in your gloves, you're in shin guards, And this is what people think like fighters are like, like, it's just, you know, and she's a two and O pro. And, and it's not it's not really a direct, like attack on her. It's just people that have been doing stuff similar to her, you know, and I think it her shit just popped up on my Twitter. And I was like, Oh, my God, like, I'm so tired of seeing this shit. <laughs> you know, over and over and over. It's like a promotion. It's like, it's like when you're talking about like sportswear with your friend and then all of a sudden it pops up on your Facebook, you know, but it, it's just something that I was just tired of seeing. And I hate how it's, you know, it's almost like it's, it's people are obsessed with it and they think that's what MMA is. And they want to see two girls like fighting in jello. Like, you know, I want, oh my God. Take, I want people to like <laughs> take it seriously, you know? And then, and then what pissed me off the most, was the mm-hmm. fact that me, as a female fighter, had an opinion about another female fighter. Like, it was just all, like, people just commenting, like, like all guys, like, oh, it's because you're jealous, it's because you're ugly, it's because you're a lesbian, it's because you have short hair, it's because you have tattoos, you know, and they tried to pull a race card in, and I'm just like, look, I have this opinion, I've always had this opinion, I've been fighting in the sport for, for God knows how long, like, you know, like, I mean, what's his name had an opinion about it too? Um, Curtis Blades. Curtis Blades went off on Charles Gonzalez. Yes, he <laughs> did. But how do you? But what do you feel about 
yes, I understand that you don't agree with those posts, but you you think that like she should not be able to do something, something like that? No, or? I think I think she's I think women should be able to express themselves however they want. And that's not what I'm trying to say at all. I think right because like, that's what I want to clear up because I see oh, a lot no, of people like, saying yeah, that stuff online. Yeah, a lot of people online, are saying that I'm, shit. And look, yeah. like I am all for women expressing themselves however they want, but I think it's kind of bullshit. Like using MMA as a platform, like for that, you know, for what she's doing. Like I, I, uh, I just feel like there's a lot of girls, like there's a lot of women in MMA that are getting ahead in the sport because of shit like this. But how much, you know, and and they know, and they know, and honestly, you know what, it might Mm -hmm. just be one of those things like, Hey, I want to get ahead. And yeah, I get that. And and that's what I was about to say. Well, how how about the fact that, you know, Elias Theodoru, who um because of your uh comments, I had on the show to talk about this very issue because as you know, he was uh Invictor's ring boy. Now he's using yeah. the platform to not only flaunt his body but, you know, his sexuality as well. And you know, it made me think aren't well, is, isn't the focus here the fact that they are women or is it the fact that they are using the platform to exploit their bodies? I mean, which one is it? Because Elias Theodora, as I say, him being right. a man, um, nobody batted an eyelid when he uh, was strutting his stuff. Right. Well, I so she's a 2 and 0 pro. OK, mm-hmm. yeah, she's sponsored by Monster Energy. Mm-hmm. Um. Amanda Nunes just recently got sponsored by Modelo. I don't know what date she did, but, you know, I'm just saying, like, someone who has actually progressed as a sport, you know, not because of her looks, but because she is good at the sport, Mm. you know? And people see Amanda Nunes, they're like, fucking MMA, right? People people see Valerie Laredo and they're like, oh, she's an MMA fighter, but she's, like, so fucking hot, you know? Like, it's, <laughs> it's, like, it's like they're not getting ahead by getting better in the sport. You're trying to get ahead and, and be in these eyes of these people who watch the sport as someone that is, like, so upheld, like, that, that isn't, like, necessarily the best at MMA, you know? And I understand you have, there's different places for people in the world, but it just kind of, like, it almost, like, hurts in a way because it's, like, people are actually fucking trying, and they're not exploiting themselves in a way to get there. Yeah, I can I can totally relate. I think what happens, Mike, too, is like when women work in male-dominated fields, it's the women that kind of carry on for a male, or that it can your, their behavior can be perceived that way. And those are the women that get ahead in male-dominated fields. So when when Macy was tweeting this stuff, Macy, I was with you. I was quietly like, "That's right, get her, get her." You know what I mean? Because I, I remember when I was a cop, I worked my ass off, but because I was a male, you know, a masculine appearance type of, you know, um, lesbian and, you know, I worked twice as hard. I couldn't get a break for the girl that didn't want to, you know, get wear bigger pants because it made her butt look nice in the police uniform. You know what I mean? But that was the girl that got a better break. So I kind of understood where you were coming from. But when I sat back and I reflected on the situation, I just felt like the whole problem was, is the system. It's, it's patriarchy. And that they have both, they have women just feuding at each other. Why the hell does Valerie or maybe female police officers feel the need to even do that to get get ahead? Or why do they feel like if I do this, you know, this is women empowerment, but it, it you come off as if you're doing it for somebody else. And why isn't Macy getting a break? You know, she's equally as beautiful, but just not in a way that society thinks is okay. So people are going to be in their feelings, but we have to remember to... to you know, hate the system and try to bring that down. And that goes back to everything that we've talked about before, Macy, with that change and how the world just needs to change. Because I hated seeing you guys fight. I really did. Because I felt like the system just had two women going at it. And both women should be wrong at that system and not at each other. Valerie shouldn't feel the need to do that or to or whatever it is. I don't even want to speak for Valerie, but I don't, her action should not be making you feel like that enough so for you to speak out like that. And I don't really think Curtis Blades really should be speaking on any of this. This is between us, the system, and women. And if he doesn't like it, he can keep going. But I feel like if anyone can complain about it, it could be another woman. I just hated how it looked. Yeah. No, you're, you're totally right. And having so, like someone like you like viewing it from a different perspective, you know, and I think for me, it was just like kind of bottled up. Like, why do we have to do this? I felt it in your tweets. I've I've been that woman that's like, nobody thinks I'm hot because I have a fade and I'm covered in tattoos. <laughs> but at the same not time, not necessarily that. Like, it's not necessarily like. But if, 
whether but people me, think I'm attractive, but, but even him, if I was like long hair, you know, I got a fat ass. Like I could put right. a song on and like shake my ass on the camera, you know, like, but that's just not the way that I want to be perceived because exactly. I want people to look at me as a fucking fighter. I want exactly. people to be like, holy shit, she kicks ass. And then like, wait, she's kind of hot, you know? That is my point being that like, I, I am somebody that you're already, you don't think is attractive, but at the same time, I'm not even looking for that. I really just want to be acknowledged for the job and come ahead like everybody else. Like, I don't even want any of this bullshit, but yet I have to deal with the system that says, hey, Gina, you're not cute enough, but the girl next to you is, and she does less work. That's the system that I'm mad at. Cause I don't even really need that attention. Cause when I saw men telling you that you were jealous, I even though I didn't know you, I was like, she's not jealous. She don't need no dick. Like she don't, you know what I'm saying? Like she doesn't need y'all attention or fawning <laughs> like she's not jealous of Valerie she just wants her you know her props for fighting you know I totally could relate but I was mad at the system I'm all for women expressing themselves like that like, women's rights is everything to me and you're right like it's the fucking system like yeah. maybe I should have reshored in a different way like why do we have to do this you know this is this is other people's fault it's not our fault you know like Right. Uh, you know, I can say like I fucked up on that part. Maybe not important. You know, I think it's those things that needed to come up. Yeah. I think it, I think it was a conversation that needed to happen, even though it may have not come across the right way. Exactly, and that's why I so wanted to bring you on the show for you to say your side, say where it come from. It, it, you weren't in a bad mood that day. You had had enough, and I just wanted everybody to hear what you had to say and to understand that it's not jealousy and that you also understand that it's a system that we're upset about. It wasn't just a cat fight, and I'm so happy you're able to discuss that. Right. Yeah, no, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate that. Something that's kind of been bothering me. Because I was like, honestly, after, because I have a lot of friends that model. Yeah. You know, I have a lot of friends that model and do, like, this and that. I mean, I have... I have stripper friends, like, you know, like, yeah. I, I dated a stripper, like, I don't, I have nothing <laughs> against, like, nothing against getting paid for what men want, you know, like, right. I'm not against that, you know, I don't think that this is gonna, this is gonna end anytime soon, I don't think it's gonna be something that people are gonna bring up again, because just like you were saying, the demographics of the sport, and, yeah. yeah, but it needs to be talked about, I think at least, like, we need to talk about it. Yeah, and that's what, remember, I had DM'd you, like, my questions are a bit different. You know, we might not even be able to talk about fighting. Me and Michael are so focused on, you know, Black Lives Matter, being Macy being gay. <laughs> I, I try to say it all the time, Macy. I try to say it all the time. I try to do it on Twitter, but they call me racist, man. Mike, tell her. Tell her, man. Oh, I know. I see it. I see it's it. It's the truth. Look, I'm, I'm trying to take a break from Twitter for a while. Like, I'm trying to keep it, like, low-key kind of happy and this and that, but... You know, but uh, yeah, and, I mean, and this is the shit that people need to talk about because we want to see the views of fighters. Yeah. We want to know them as a person, you know? Well, well, how do you feel about when wipe, um, excuse me, wipers, what's wrong with me? How do you feel when fighters weaponize politics? Like when they use it in like pre-fight buildup, kind of like a Kobe Covington. How'd you feel about like weaponized, you know, self-promoting? Well, I mean, it's like, you know, I mean, that's a way to get people to notice you, you know? I mean, there's two ways you can have people, like, notice you, is either get them to fucking hate you or get them to love you, yeah. you know? And politics is, like, such a big, like, back-and-forth thing in the world. Yeah, and so, works. I mean, I it, it does, you know? But I just, I think it just depends on your character and where you are in life. Like, you know, I think it's, I think the shit that Colby Covington was insane and ridiculous and awful, but like, you know what? I don't fucking know his life. Like, I don't know why he did it. I don't know why he's like yeah. that. I've heard people say that he's the nicest guy, you know? And I mean, fuck, just like the whole Valerie Loretta thing, it, you got to do something to try to get ahead, right? Yeah, yeah. Or, or... And like, again, I don't want to speak for Valerie. Maybe she's not even doing that to get ahead because in her responses, she was like, I'm pretty and I like doing this and I do it for me. So remember, like Valerie's not here and she can't speak for herself. But I don't even really know if it was for men's attention. We, we honestly, we don't know. We're not Valerie. So that's that's like a whole nother thing that that bothers me about misogyny. What if Valerie just feels good about herself? And that's how she wants to present herself in her gym because she's a fighter. And here we are tearing her down. And you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't. You know, I just I agree. But you know what? The combination she was throwing and shit, and I don't I feel, know. I feel. Wear wear some tight clothes with your titties out a little bit and your butt looking mm -hmm. good while you're hitting some badass pads, right? 
I've watched. watched. I, I mean, mean I, I do not. not. <laughs> <laughs> like, right. I think she looked good. Either way, I'm happy. But I un- I completely understand like where you were coming from with it. But I, I I'm just like so happy here for you to be able to you know give your side of things though. I really really am. But one more thing, because I want to go right back, because you had mentioned Twitter. And you said that you're laying off Twitter sometimes. Now, when you go in your mentions and stuff, do you have people tagging you so that people can see horrible things they say about you? Because I've always, I always ask fighters that question. Like, do are people snitching in your mentions? Like, you mean like, are they tagging me to see shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. they do are that like all the time, saying horrible stuff and, oh, and God, trying yeah. to troll you. Does oh, that yeah. what's how does that affect you, if at all? Because I think people need to hear this. I mean, it like it, it definitely makes me feel like shit. You know, but I think, like, just kind of to wrap up everything we've been talking about, like, my whole life, like, Mm -hmm. shit that I've been through. Like, I have been this way, like, me, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, and you can say tomboy, lesbian, kind of masculine. Like, and I just say it's me. Like, I have been me since I was, like, 16 years old. And I have dealt with shit like that my whole fucking life. And so, yeah, it hurts. It makes me, like, reflect on those times, those hardships that I've had, you know? But, like, again, it's just, like, all right, my skin is just, like, that much thicker. Like, it's, like, whatever, dude. Like, you really don't fucking know me. Like, you know, like, um, and I always say, like, well, I don't fucking know what kind of life they've been through either. So, for them to be that way. You know, because there's always two sides to one story. And, uh, you know, I mean, it hurts. It really sucks. Like, it, it really, it does affect me from time to time. I feel like it'll build up. And that's with anything that you do. That's an individualized sport. Or, like job like where you yeah. have a lot of lo- like light on you as one person you know of course mm-hmm. you have to be ready for some horrible shit coming your way yeah you know there's you always a critic good stuff too you always yeah. get good stuff too but you know you have to be ready for people to judge and say what they want to say especially because there's no like reprimanding in social media yeah like what people it- just create an account and just say whatever the hell they want you know what about, like, um, when you're out and about in person? Do you have fans approach you? Are people recognizing you? Are you, like, are you famous, or, like, when you walk around? Uh, I'm not, I mean, I'm not, like, I mean, I'm not, like, you know, some of the higher-level people. But, I mean, that I've had people notice me. I've had, like, when I go running back mm-hmm. home in New Orleans, when I'm in New Orleans running on, like, uh, St. Charles, uh, I'll have people, like, honk and wave or, like, same oh, so, yeah. uh you know i noticed that when i moved to dallas because the texas like texas scene is like a lot more into like fighting mm-hmm. i had like a barista know who i was and he's like oh my god you're on tough 28 you did this oh, nice. like let me get your coffee like i've had small gestures like that it's nothing big but it's definitely stuff that like made me feel good you know yeah, yeah. And any um, fans that didn't make you feel good or, like, anybody holds you too long or something in a hug or anything? Uh, I mean, I've had people send me some really weird messages about, like, kneeing them in the balls and shit. Oh, wow. And, like, like, hey, I would really love for you to, like, just, like, beat the shit out of me. No. Like, just some weird... I've had one dude that has messaged me so much about, like, my feet. He's like, I'm in love with your feet. I think you have beautiful feet. And he'll, like, send me a picture of, like, my feet zoomed in. Like on oh Instagram. My God. Yeah. Mike, are you hear this? Mike, yeah. are you into feet? Jesus. You have an explanation. That's like a your species. Foot fetish. Man, I, I, I couldn't speak for some of the male species. Is that you, species. Mike? Is that, is, is nope. that, that nope. that's, that's a million miles away from me. <laughs> no, I've never really had like super. Okay, there was this one guy. There was this one guy. I went to UFC Atlanta when Dustin Poirier. Uh, fought Max Holloway uh-huh. and Israel fought um, Kelvin. I went to that fight, and so I was sitting next to Marie Screen Mo, and mm-hmm. he was with like two other guys. Well, one guy was like his good friend, and then there was another guy that looked like he was friends with them. Like he was like chatting with them, laughing, you know. And so we get up. They're like Mo's, like let me get you a drink or something like that. So I'll go to walk with them, and the guy that they're with that I saw was their friend, like, walks up to me. He's like, oh, my God, I'm such a big fan. I was like, thank you. Like, I really appreciate that. He's like, can we take a picture? And I was like, yeah, we took a picture. And uh, and then he, like, starts feeling my arm. He's like, oh, my no. God. Like, he's like, your biceps <laughs> oh. <is> so good. <laughs> and, then, and then all of a sudden, Mo, like, Mo said, like, they were leaving, and that guy, like, didn't go with them. And I was like, Mo, what about this guy? And he's like, oh, he's not with us. Like, <laughs> oh, at the hotel. wow. <laughs> oh, my God. And I was like, oh, my God, this man is going to kill me and then, like, make me, like, a taxidermy or some shit. 
Now, <laughs> one more question, Mike, and then I'm, I'm Mike. Then I'll pass you back the mic. So, what about groupies? I know that. Look, you you look pretty hot, and I think that in this field, I think there's groupies in every sport. Are there groupies in the UFC? You mean people that just like die hard, like yeah, are like are women like throwing their panties at you and stuff, <laughs> like when you get out of a fight, or is it like is it wild? No, no, that's like that's honestly never happened to me. Um, I don't know. If, I don't know if that's like a question like for Raquel Pennington. I mean, I just haven't been in the UFC long enough. You know, I haven't been around. I haven't been around. I mean, I've only been in the UFC for what almost not even two years yet. True. So uh, I don't know. Maybe I mean. Uh, I mean, I've definitely had people like message me and yeah. stuff like that. Um, like, oh my god, you're so hot. But no, that's, nothing, that's nothing crazy, nothing like a Led Zeppelin concert where it's like, oh my God. Like, right. Because I'm, I'm thinking like you're on TV, you know, you've got all these tattoos, you're badass, you're beating other women up and you, your name's out there, you won tough. And I'm always thinking like, I always wonder if these fighters always got to just get these women off of them or, you know, are there just people in their DMs just thirsty, you know? So maybe that's just my imagination. I, I know, like, I know, like, for Conor McGregor, like, that's, like, because he's, like, just so much more marketed. You know, yeah. I think we're just not, some of us aren't really marketed that much. Um, so, I mean, the fighting, UFC is still kind of, like, underwater, like, in a way, as mm. far as, like, fans go, in my opinion. I mean, uh, but we're not wearing helmets like the NFL, so you can see most of us, but, you know, a lot of the people that I talk to that aren't big UFC fans, they can really only name, like, they only watch, like, big name fights like Conor. Conor, oh, we're gonna yeah. watch Conor, you know, like. Right. So, we're, I mean, I think maybe if they start pushing us to, like, like, to outsource, like, you know, Paige Van Zandt, they did the whole, like, dancing with the star. Mm-hmm. I think that's good networking for the sport, you know, but, I don't know, we're just not just not really out and about just yet and i still fight on like prelim cards so good 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 you're still developing yeah um, good. i like that mike speaking of fights we are going to talk fighting now in the last few days uh, i'm not sure if you've seen this you were tagged you were snitch tagged i saw somebody actually bring you into the conversation but you didn't respond sajara eubanks called you out on twitter oh, basically yeah there was a, a, a oh. list of people who um, I think she was using TikTok's feature, which allows you to scroll images behind. Anyway, you were one of the images which uh, she was pointing at. So she's uh, number 14 in the rankings. How do you fancy uh, your next outing being with Sajara Eubanks? Well, we we um, we tried to fight Sajara Eubanks a while ago, and she uh, she didn't take the fight. So uh, so it's kind oh, of wow. funny that she's, call- she's calling us out now. But yeah, I mean, that actually is in the works now that you say that. Um, it's not official, but that is uh, definitely someone that we um, talked to McMaynard about. Nice, nice. It could be seen yeah. in the, what, next few weeks, possibly a, a late addition to Fight Island. Are we talking uh, that late a stage in the um, negotiations? Uh, no, it's not going to be Fight Island. It's probably going to be maybe around September-ish, uh, just because of, like, the whole, like, I'm just like for me to make 135, I have to have a really solid camp. Yeah. And the whole like quarantine shit, like gyms closing and then opening mm-hmm. and then closing again, and then like you know I actually ended up having coronavirus, like a no. week. Yes, yeah, so I was in quarantine for like months. Right, didn't go wow. fucking anywhere except for to like run outside. And so mm. like my first week back at the gym, um. You know, we were rolling and stuff, and then all of a sudden, I, like, started having, like, cold, like, symptoms. I was like, well, you know what? Maybe I'm just, like, it's my immune system from training a lot. And uh, and then it went away the next day, and then the next day I woke up, and I didn't have taste or smell, and I was like, well, fuck, I, have, I think I have corona. And um, and so I ended up getting tested. I found out I had it. And uh, and so, like, I was out for two weeks because of that. Um, so it's kind of like, it's such a weird like time right now. So I want to make sure that when I have something coming up, it's enough time for me to get a good game plan. Wow. So in terms of your, your just picking up on what you said there, in terms of your symptoms, um, were you actually laid out to a, to a point where you couldn't actually train? You were bedridden? How, how severe was it? Uh, it was pretty mild. 
it's so weird because like I thought I honestly just had like allergies or a cold but the only thing that like I really had a problem with was my taste and smell um there was one day where I felt like shit and then the rest of like the week like the rest of the 14 days I was like good like I was going for long runs I was felt completely fine okay the the final question for me in terms of like um fights uh i know that g has got some uh listener questions which we're hopefully be 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 rolling through with you but you've got a soul loss to lena landsberg now Mm -hmm. the way that i look at it is this obviously there's no point in um you know thrashing yourself over that loss but do you look on that as a as a learn uh, rather than a loss just to quote uh, a well-known coach John Kavanagh yeah uh I mean I learned like all of my losses that I've had like in my whole career which I've only lost three times to an amateur and then that was my first career loss that's right um and every single loss that I've ever had has literally felt like the end of my life mm. <laughs> I know I mean I don't mean to make it like a sad story but this shit means so fucking much to me yeah, I believe you know it. yeah and uh and a loss is almost like well you know what you failed like you're not like this this doesn't you know this means that you're not going to get better or you're like this you're shit you know you don't lose if you're going to be a fucking champion but then i look at champions and like look once you start fighting people that are ranked and have been doing this sport for a long time it doesn't mean that they're better than you it just means that they they they're veterans you know they've they've experienced more than you have you know and you're not just there yet you're not quite there yet experience wise you know And I think the whole, like, Lena Landsberg fight was, like, it was an experience thing. And it was me just kind of, like, giving up in a sense that, uh, okay, the fight's not going my way. Like, you know, why didn't I shift gears? Why didn't I do something different? You know, and that's not Mm -hmm. me. That's not the kind of fighter I am. Mm -hmm. Like, the kind of fighter I am is, like, I like to create scrambles. I like to create awkward moments that are going to make you fucked up, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think the learning experience was, was that, okay, I hit a wall in this fight, you know, you didn't fucking change it. You could have changed the situation and you didn't do it, wow. you know, and the whole Copenhagen thing, I've never fought that far away before. Um, and I had a really hard weight cut for that fight. My whole like circadian rhythm was off. Um, like my body clock wa- wasn't working right. I had really bad jet lag. I should have mm-hmm. went two weeks earlier. I was fucking exhausted and I was running. I run a lot when I fight at 35, I run probably like 50 miles a week. And, uh, and I had trained so hard for that fight in a way it was almost torturous because sometimes I feel like I need to feel pain like during camps in order to like want to like perform well in the cage. Well, I kind of like shit on myself so hard during that camp that when I got in the cage, I was like, I, I'm so tired. I don't want to be in here. You know, I kind of already yeah. defeated myself mentally because it yeah. wasn't like she beat me like, like 30, 26, you know, like it wasn't like this, this like huge difference. It was just the fact of me like not changing gears, being in a shitty mental state for that fight, mm-hmm. you know, and that's things that I can control from now on, you know, like, you know, sometimes you can't control like if the other person is technically that much better than you. Yeah. But if you can control your mindset before you get in there, and I will tell you, like, I did not have a grasp on that when I went in there. Whoa. Okay, G, listen to questions. Yes. yes, I got them lined up. Um, being that you brought up, you know, working out in the gyms and the pandemic, Joe Bloggs wants to know, um, how hard is it right now to train during COVID? What are some of those difficulties? It's it's really hard like you have to know when someone goes to fight during this time or Mm -hmm. play basketball whatever you're not going to be at your peak form i mean you're just not like there's just too many variables going on i mean uh i'm not sure how other gyms do it but the gym that i'm at right now my home gym in new orleans uh we have to get tested every week um Mm -hmm. You have to make sure that your partner's quarantining because the thing is, is like, what if you go through a whole camp, you know, you do all this work and then you get to, you get to weigh-ins or you get to fight week and they test you and either you test positive or one of your corners test positive, you know, it's a, it's a blind situation that, you know, no one can see. And then also you don't have access to a lot of things as well. I mean, um, 
you know, everything's really limited. They're not really doing jujitsu classes right now. Everything is like a private practice. You're not able to work with as many partners. Yeah, this sounds like risky business to take a fight right now during a pandemic. But it's you know, also a blessing that we're able to actually yes. fight, you know? I mean, we're able to make a little make a living. living. And yeah. How comfortable do you feel with the UFC's COVID protocols and the testing? feel good enough to fight and trust the UFC? Yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know how many times that they're testing people a week, but I think it's good that they're administering these tests. You know, I mean, I think at some point we're all gonna get this shit. I mean, it, the, the rate at which it's spreading, you know? And then for some people, especially athletes, or if you're really healthy, you might, have, you might not even know you have it. You know? Right, right. You could be, you could be asymptomatic. asymptomatic. Yeah. Right, so uh, I think they're doing the best they can. and. Um, you know, I think, you know, especially we're able to kind of get ahead in this way because uh, we're individualized, you know, as a sport and you're not a team. So it's not like, oh, like 10 of my players have COVID. They can't play, you know. Right. right. It's wrestling. Well, I got another one for you. It's from It's Not Cage Fighting. And he says, Macy, if you had a choice again, would you have stayed at featherweight? And because he thinks there's an argument that you could have got a title shot at 145 faster. What are your thoughts on that division? I mean, so my initial thought when I had moved to Fortis MMA, you know, my coach was like, you could definitely fight at 135. And I was like, geez, like I am like frame wise, like I'm like, <laughs> not not built to fight at that weight. You know, I never thought I would see that number, you know. I think the last time I saw that number before I before I got to 35 was uh, when I was like fucking 12 or some shit. But, <laughs> uh, but you know, I never thought I'd make that weight. Um, and I just always felt so anaerobically, like just just so powerful at 45. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still feel that way about 45. But I feel I just know that 135 is a good place right now, not only because I have to work a lot harder. And that and there's no room for leniency. There's no room for fucking laziness. You know, there's there. It, it, it's made me better in a way getting the 35. And I just think there's a lot more people to there's a bigger pool. You know, there's a lot mm-hmm. more people to fight. I can kind of work on my career a little bit better in a bigger division than 45 because yeah. there's not really that many people. And to be honest with you, after the tough finale, I thought like maybe they were going to get rid of the 45 division. Yeah, me too. But it looks like they want to build it, you know, and I'm not opposed to it. I'm not opposed to going to 45 and fighting and then, you know. Yeah. But you like your options at 135. I like having options, you know, and if if it's the right fight, then we'll do it. If it's the right fight at 45 and, you know, I want to work my way up a little bit more in the rankings at 135. I want to redeem myself after that shitty shitty fucking loss. And, uh... And, you know, I think if we can get below 10 at 35, I wouldn't mind, like, fluctuating a bit. And you know what? Honestly, like, I almost wanted to fight at 145 during this whole thing because it is hard to it is hard to be peak right now as an athlete. I would think it would be advantageous right now during COVID to fight at a bigger weight class, you you know, especially with the gyms being shut down and whatnot can do a quick turnaround at 145 because I told my coach a few times like hey I want to I want to fight up at 145 and I'm glad you answered that because when I put these questions out a lot of people wanted to know that that was like a question that was like really on people's minds people are honestly really offended and sad when I moved to 35 yeah, yeah, I, I, I kind of noticed, noticed that, that. And, I, and I noticed that in these questions too. Like the hot topic is like, are you gonna go back? How do you feel up there? I think people like you at 145 as well, or they like having you as an option. Yeah, no, it's safe to say that I definitely like. It's definitely been talked about recently, and uh, like I think people are definitely gonna see it. Like maybe this year. So. And then you're young. There's, There's plenty of time, you know. So, and let's, uh, Mike. I got one more. It's kind of fun. Let's try this one. Terrence Singleton, he must be from Louisiana. He said, who is more Louisiana to the people from Louisiana, D.C. or Dustin Poirier? Yeah, I saw that. You know, I feel <laughs> like I, I kind of feel like shit because, like, I feel like if I answer that question and D.C. or Poirier, like, listen to the oh, shit, they're going to be sure. really offended. <laughs> okay. Um, but you know what? Like, D.C., uh, we know they're both from Lafayette, I believe. But I haven't really trained with DC in Louisiana. I've never trained with him like in New Orleans, but I've trained mm-hmm. with Dustin at my home gym in New Orleans. Yeah. So I will say just because of that 
like scenario, I will say Dustin Poirier is more Louisiana. Uh, well, and he's I, got the Louisiana tattoo, so. True. 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 Yeah. Okay, well, I'm glad you were able to answer that, though, even though there's, you know, I didn't want you getting in any trouble. So thank you. What about you, Mike? You got anything on your end? I'm all questioned out. Uh, I have no mm. more questions. Macy, it has been an incredible canter for your life. I mean, let alone your fight life, but your life. And um, thank you so much for your candidness as well. Really do appreciate you coming on. And nice one, G, for sorting this out. You've been producer and um, co-host this week, which is just incredible. I'm just shocked I didn't mess it up, Mike. I'm always, I'm always messing things up, Macy. <laughs> Great, um, Mike. You do too, but you know you have a great like radio voice, like very soft. She's brilliant, isn't she? Yeah, no, and she's really really good. Appreciate you guys like taking the time. You guys are a great host, like great podcast in a sense that you want to talk about real shit. You know, you don't want just want to talk about like who you're gonna fight next or this or that. You know, you really want to get down to like what people's views are. You know, and yes, that's what we're all about. And thank you for enjoying that with us. Yes, love it brilliant okay um we're just gonna wrap up the show so thank you again macy i really do appreciate you coming on as i said and um we have to do this again once you're at you're signed up with uh sajara yeah well, yeah anytime, let's do that. you guys have any like racy questions or shit that's like you want to talk about i'm down to talk about it yeah mike let's have her back on next time you fight let's just talk after the fight or something like i'd love to have you again you know Sure. Yeah, you just just let me know and and I'll be down. So. Yeah, oh, wonderful. And tell Jamie I said hello. That's my girl. I will. She's here right now, uh, with the baby. So. No, you t- you send her my love and kiss that fat baby. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Take care of yourself. All right. All right, guys. All right, bye. See you later. See ya. Macy was incredible. I just love the way that she was really up for answering every single question i mean you name it in terms of angles in terms of uh, perspectives in terms of opinions man she batted it out of the park yeah and and you know i have a little secret we've been in the dm chatting we have a mutual friend and i kind of told her like we're gonna we're gonna talk about this gay thing and i'm i'm butchy you know what i mean like i look like you so let's talk about it and i was really really happy to talk to somebody that is kind of like me, just minus the fighting part, of course, but it was really nice to get in her brain and to know her experiences, you know? And it made for her to feel comfortable. We, we, we had open arms, Mike. Yeah, yeah. What, what, I, what I liked as well is, you know, it felt as though there were three of us hosting today. She fitted in beautifully. The, the, the flow was seamless. I really liked the way in which, you know, she came in and she was just, she was, she, she was one of the crew. Yeah. And I just like that it was honest conversations because it's like, even though I side with her on the Valerie thing, I still kind of was like, but girl, we can't be beefing with each other. And I love that I can talk to her like that. And she can be like, man, I hear you, but I'm pissed. You know, like I loved our whole discourse. I feel like me and her were left with something to think about in regards to that. It's just a great conversation, Mike. It was a good one. Oh, definitely. I, I love the fact that, you know, it was a, a wonderful way to spend what, you know, was this past weekend a little bit of a hiatus for the sport, but it all picks up. Fight Island kicks off this coming Saturday. And myself, yourself, Chisanga and Kairos, no doubt, will be touching on the melee that will ensue. Until yes. next time, make some trouble. Yes.